Are you interested in learning more about how to start your Salesforce career? Be sure to register for our next live webinar showing you exactly how the Salesforce Career Development Program works, our latest statistics, and up-to-date information about what's going on in the Salesforce ecosystem. To register now, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash live. That's talentstacker.com forward slash L-I-V-E. We look forward to seeing you on the next live webinar. Well, someone who grew up in a Amish community, they can't possibly have a tech career in a Salesforce industry and make, you know, six-figure income, and they absolutely can. Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to the, the Salesforce, Salesforce for Everyone podcast. podcast. In today's show, learn why the high demand for Salesforce professionals can give you the room to live your best life. I even actually experimented with working and traveling and not telling anyone. No one knew the difference. Also, find out why Salesforce professionals are so in demand by employers that there is even a talent war going on to keep them happy. You're getting poached by recruiters offering you $20,000, $40,000 raises when you have six to nine months experience. So it's definitely a talent war. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In our last episode, we talked about all of the opportunity in the Salesforce ecosystem and just how life-changing a Salesforce career can be. We dove into the ability to work remote, far higher than average incomes, and a barrier to entry that could have you going from wherever you are today to being a Salesforce professional in less than six months. So we're really talking about something that is incredibly achievable, and all you have to do is get started. So that's what Salesforce for Everyone, the podcast, is all about, and that is what we're going to be diving into throughout the series. So... In today's episode, we're going to be going through why there is so much opportunity. And by opportunity, I mean why there are so many employers who need Salesforce talent and they're willing to pay incredible salaries to get Salesforce employees into their companies. And we're going to talk about why there is such a shortage of qualified talent and exactly why we need people like you to upskill and transition into Salesforce careers. And with me today to help me explain all of this to you. I have Anita Smith. Welcome back, Anita. Hey, happy to be back. How are you doing today? Doing really great. Yeah. I had a fun day at work today. We, we had a lot going on, but uh, excited to take a step back and record some information to, to get out to everybody who's looking to, I guess, get into the type of work that we're getting into, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we've been throwing out all this information and all these numbers, but People were asking, well, it could be an isolated situation. How do I know? It's just not happening. You guys are just super lucky. And how do I know if that could happen to me? Do you have any actual stats that we could throw at them? Yeah. So looking at the information that we have at Talent Stacker specifically, and I'll talk a little bit bigger picture about the ecosystem as a whole, You know, all the Salesforce jobs and careers. At Talent Stacker, what we see is last year, alone, we were able to help over a thousand people start Salesforce careers. And we saw an average of about four and a half months from joining Talent Stacker to landing a job. And we saw the average starting entry-level income at just over $72,000. And I think the really amazing thing is it's really well balanced. I think we saw 53% of the members who landed jobs were female, while 47% were male. And women actually got paid just a little bit more than men. It's almost break even. It's less than $1,000 difference. But I just thought that was really intriguing. And what you'll find is Salesforce is sort of this very progressive culture as far as you know making sure that there's 
diversity and equality and all these things. So you'll see that come up a lot, even through your Salesforce training, you'll see those topics come up. So it's been, I think, really impressive to see that balance in the Salesforce ecosystem. Yeah, that is really exciting to hear. Do you think that only applies to members of Talent Stacker or the ecosystem on a whole, like people outside of Talent Stacker? Are we seeing the same kind of stats? I think what we're seeing is, especially within the last few years, I think we've seen almost a societal push in that direction. And I don't think we can really say like, hey, things are necessarily becoming more equal or we don't have to pay attention to these these topics anymore. Because I think what you're seeing is uh, sort of equality occurring because people are paying so much attention to it. So I think the business owners and the hiring managers and recruiters are paying really close attention to who they're hiring and making sure everything's balanced. So I think until we get to a point where they don't have to try so hard to be equal, then we still have something to work on, right? Because if everybody just says, ah, problem solved, we're good to go. I think we would fall right back into those old habits of you know just hiring people who look like us or sound like us or you know whatever it is we can just relate to them more directly but to the point of your original question there's this company called Mason Frank they're one of the biggest salesforce recruiting firms if not the biggest salesforce recruiting firm globally and they do an annual survey of the salesforce ecosystem and try to figure out how much people are getting paid what are the mainstream jobs how quickly people are landing jobs and things like that so what they were able to pull from in 2021, so this is the survey for 2021, is that we're seeing average incomes actually uh, in the United States above what I mentioned. So they're actually looking at eighty dollars to $90,000 for what they're referring to as junior level roles. And they're seeing very similar numbers in Canada and Australia. So I don't think it's us seeing these numbers. And I think their numbers are probably a little bit higher because they consider junior anyone with, I think, zero to three years experience. And we consider junior or entry level somebody who has no background um, and no experience in Salesforce. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious, you know, what companies they are getting these numbers for? Like, is it mostly consultants or like actual companies with just junior admins? I would bet, I you know, I don't know for sure, but I would bet that it's weighted towards consultants. And I think the reason for that is because consultancies just hire more Salesforce professionals than your typical in-house company that might have one, two, maybe if they're bigger, they might have three or four Salesforce professionals in-house, where a consultancy might have a thousand Salesforce professionals working for them. So just as sort of a ratio, I think there's just so many more Salesforce professionals at consultancies. And those consultancies are probably working closer with recruiting companies like Mason Frank because they need so much talent constantly. They just need the wheel constantly turning and getting additional Salesforce talent in the door. And they're looking for people like us, right? They're looking for the type of people listening to this episode right now. They call it a talent war is what it's sort of been coined as. And it's this idea that it is so hard for companies, consultancies, or you know your mom and pop shops or anyone else using Salesforce, it is so hard for them to find qualified talent. And once they find it, it's even harder to keep it for an entire year because you're getting poached by recruiters offering you twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 raises when you have six to nine months experience. So it's very hard to keep uh, Salesforce talent for these companies even once they have it. So it's definitely a talent war. Yeah. I mean, I'd say it's sooner than six to nine months. I recall when I first started after maybe two to three months of experience, recruiters were hitting up my LinkedIn 
DMs like crazy. I was just like, I only have a couple a month's experience. Are you sure? So they are very hungry out there. And also, I'm trying to remember, I believe it was Jody. So when she got her first role, did not come from this industry at all. She actually was able to negotiate. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it was Jody who they wanted her to come in office, which is really uncommon in Salesforce roles. We see like 95%, even entry level Salesforce roles are fully remote. And I believe they wanted her to come in office. And she just kind of said, you know, I really want to work for you. I think it'd be a great fit. I've got young kids at home and I want to be home. I want to be there at five o'clock on the dot, not hopping in the car at five o'clock on the dot. And she declined the offer and they reached out to her the next day and said they were changing the entire company, you know, policy because they want her to come work for them. And I think it's an awesome thing. And I, I think we've seen definitely a trend towards, you know, remote work, especially since the pandemic. But even before that, we were seeing a transition. And now I think coming out of the back end of the pandemic, you're definitely seeing employees being more direct with their needs and what they want. And, you know, remote work is a, is a big part of that. Yeah, I think the remote work is a big deal as to like why there are so many opportunities, because if you're living in a small town, you don't have to just look for a job in a small town. Now, you can look for a job like within the entire country, because most of the jobs out there are remote jobs. Yeah. And we've talked so much about that, about how really all you need to get Salesforce work done is a computer and internet access. And I remember in 2018, we bought an RV and we drove from Tampa, where we were living at the time, Tampa, Florida, north through Michigan, and then west out into Canada above Washington State. And the entire time, I didn't have these, you know, MiFi devices or like traveling Wi-Fi devices. I literally used a smartphone and tethered my laptop to it and was able to get all of my work done for, you know, six months straight. So I think it even goes further to say is like, you don't even need amazing internet access. If you just have two or three megabytes up and down, you can get the job done. And I think that's really impressive. So even when we talk about people who might be thinking about using services like Starlink, and you're wondering, is that really going to be that great of speeds? Or, you know, you live out in a rural area and your internet speeds aren't all that great. You can still get the job done. And I think it just lowers the technology barriers as well as the you know, access to free learning and things like that through Trailhead. Yeah, I even actually experimented with working and traveling and not telling anyone. I, I would just have like a generic Zoom background on so no one knew I was not home. I did a trip to Austin. I did a trip to Maggie Valley, which is near uh, Great Smoky Mountains. Just used my phone as a hotspot and no one knew the difference. Yeah, I mean, it's really incredible. That that was probably my biggest concern when traveling was quality internet. and you know, it's one of those things that you worry so much about and it ends up not being a major problem. In worst case scenario, you drive to your closest coffee shop with Wi-Fi and get the job done. So I think at this point, it's sort of like, I think for the audience to understand is if it's so easy, let's say, I don't want to say it's easy. It is challenging, but there's guidance. There's a lot of guidance and the path to success is pretty well drawn out at this point. I try to compare it to uh, you walk up to a forest and you're trying to get from the entrance to the forest to coming out on the other side of it. And there's a trail there. And we're not saying that the trail is going to be this really simple path that you can just go jog down and pop out on the other end. There might be some hills to climb and it might get a little muddy at times, but the path forward is very clear. You see it, you know how to get to the other side. There are going to be challenges in your way, 
But the good news is there is a very direct path to success. You just have to be willing to challenge yourself a little bit. And I think when people look at that, they go, well, well, why isn't everyone doing this? Why, if it's that straightforward and I can make incredible income and there are all these jobs available and I can work from home, why isn't everyone doing this? And honestly, I don't know if I have a great answer for that. Do you have a good answer for that, Anita? Yeah, because I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know about it. I don't know how I didn't know about it because as soon as I heard about Salesforce and like got into this ecosystem, I see it everywhere now. But it was like I was living my whole life with blinders on. I mean, even the company, I, the hotel company I worked for used Salesforce, but I wasn't aware at the time. I think just if you're not in those circles and you don't have other people who are like in IT or tech talking about it, you won't know. Like if it weren't for Choose FI and if I did not hear your episode, I would have never known about Salesforce and this amazing career. Yeah. And I think just like we talked about in the last episode, that's kind of what brought us here. That's why we're doing this show right now is because we want more people to know about this because number one, we're doing our Salesforce jobs and we need more help. Our companies can't find qualified talent. But then number two, it's really nice to be able to build a community and give back by bringing more awareness to Salesforce careers. So I think to sort of give some color to how Salesforce got to this point where there's this massive gap. And when we talk about a massive gap, as far as companies can't find qualified talent, we're talking about millions of jobs that are not being filled because there's simply not a big enough awareness of what's happening. And the reason there's not an awareness is because Salesforce as a career and really as an industry, it grew so quickly. So uh, Mark Benioff is the founder of Salesforce. And I believe they started Salesforce in 1998, 1999, right in there. And within five years, the company was worth $20 billion. So imagine this world where you have this great idea, you go start a company and you're grinding and you're getting it off the ground and finding customers and doing your thing. And you look up five years later and it's worth $20 billion. And if that's not impressive enough, um, so we're looking at about 2004 there. Well, from 2004 to 2022, where we are today, now it's valued at over 200 billion dollars. So this ecosystem, this industry, this career, it grew so quickly that typically you would see colleges and universities get in between it. They would say, oh, there's this amazing job path. And so we should have a Salesforce degree. But it happened too fast for them to react in that way and realize this is bigger than just a job at a company. This is an entire ecosystem of careers and opportunity. And there was no time to get in front of it. So they invented tools like Trailhead. You know, Salesforce created Trailhead. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that is and how it was supposed to sort of solve this problem we're talking about? Yeah. So Trailhead is basically Salesforce University. It's their own website that they created where there are different modules, things called super badges, trails, trail mixes. So you can go on there and sign up completely free. Go on there right now, trailhead.salesforce.com create an account it takes like one minute, you can go on there and start learning right away. It's amazing for anything you need to know. But the downside, and this is what got me because when I first heard of Trailhead, um, it was before I heard your podcast episode before I heard about Talent Stacker, I jumped on and I was just so overwhelmed with all the information. I was like, am I supposed to complete all these badges? Am I supposed to do all these modules? Because this is like a lifetime of learning right here. I can't do this. Like, 
immediately after that, without any guidance, I was like, already talking to myself, like, I don't know anything about this. I have no tech background. There's no way I'm going to be able to find a job. And I gave up that day. Yeah. And that can happen. And that's why we have resources like our free five-day challenge, because you know that's exactly what it is. Day one and day two of that free challenge tell you exactly what to do on Trailhead. So you don't get lost in the weeds and confused by all the noise. You can just focus on exactly what you need to do. And that's day one and day two. So if you want to get that free five-day challenge, just head over to talentstacker.com forward slash start, and you can get started right now. So I think another piece to point out is that you know, I, I think if I were in the shoes of the audience, I would be thinking, okay, we've got this company that went from being founded to $20 billion. And then 18 years later, it's $200 billion. Like why? why? What makes Salesforce so special? Like why is it, is it overvalued? Is there really that level of need for a tool like this? And the best way I can compare it is it is extremely innovative. And it's sort of like what smartphones did for consumers. All of a sudden, we go from flip phones and the Motorola Razor, and if anybody can remember that, and it's like the most amazing you know phone you have is this Motorola Razor, and everybody loves it. And then all of a sudden, Apple comes out with an iPhone, and it is absolutely groundbreaking. It changes everything. You can access the internet from your phone to browse. You can download apps. You can access you know bank accounts and games and all your favorite things, whatever you need to do, whether it's productivity or fun or luxury or whatever else, you can do it from your phone now. It completely changed everything for consumers. That's basically what Salesforce did for businesses. And a lot of people don't know about it because we don't all own and operate our own business. And we don't know a lot of people who own and operate their own business. So it creates this massive need for talent and it grows the company tremendously. So going back to apps... I recall hearing this rumor that Mark Benioff actually created the original App Store even like before before Apple did. Is that true? Yeah, true story. So I believe Apple released the App Store, if I remember correctly, it was 2008, right in there. And Mark Benioff actually created the Salesforce App Exchange in 2005. So Salesforce actually has sort of a claim to fame as the original App Store. That is crazy. That's really innovative. I can't believe I didn't actually know that was true. Um, But going back, I wanted to pick on something that you mentioned before about why didn't I know about Salesforce and then the whole college thing. I remember a long time ago when I was graduating from high school, they have you do these surveys to figure out what you want to do you know, trying to give you advice, but no one in high school was telling me to like, you know, get a trade job, like focus on the trades or anything that's outside of going to college. So I think that is a good point. I mean, colleges, they can't make money on people learning Salesforce because Trailhead is free. Certification is $200. I mean, there's no reason for them to promote it. So I think that's part of the reason it's so hidden. Yeah, I think you're probably onto something there, you know, for sure. And I I think for me too, that was the standard narrative. You you know, coming out of high school, it was if you're capable and smart enough to go to college and you then you go get a four-year degree to college. And if, you know, you're not sure you're going to be able to get into a university, then maybe you go to a tech school for a couple of years. And if you just really need to get going right away, then maybe you don't go to a tech school or a college, or maybe you go to school part-time or something like that. But the question was never whether or not to go to college. It was, if you're going to be successful, go to college. And now we've seen, I mean, we have high school kids. Um, 
and I don't think Patrick would mind me sharing his name, but you know, Patrick Amos coming out of high school with Salesforce contracts in his hand, already making incredible money, you know, doing side work as a Salesforce contractor while he was in high school. So we look at things like that, and I think it just shows the level of of opportunity and the fact that this is changing. The scope of the modern job market is changing. And I don't think Salesforce is going to be the last one. I think this is going to be a new wave of things you can learn online, things you can learn in definitely less than a year, if not like Salesforce, less than six months, and you can make incredible income. Yeah. So to recap, if I have not said enough, (laughs) you do not need to go to college for this. There is a huge talent gap. So you will be able to find a job. I'm still surprised at how fast it's growing. I thought it was quick for me when I first landed my job within four months. And I thought, oh, yeah, it'll probably slow down. But this current year so far, it's just gotten even bigger, like more and more people I'm seeing are landing jobs with zero like Salesforce background. And all the people I started with a year ago, they are jumping to their next job right now and getting crazy amounts of money just because they have one year of experience. And when we say Salesforce is for everyone, it's sort of the name of the show, Salesforce for everyone. We truly mean it. And even just through the Talent Stacker program, we have some amazing stories. So people who come to mind, like Hugh Richardson was a career truck driver for, I believe, about 15 years. And he had a young grandson at home and he wanted to spend more time with him. And I remember Hugh saying, you know, his grandson would ask, you know, why are you headed back on the road? And he'd be on the road for a week or two at a time, or maybe even more. His grandson would say, you know, like, when are you coming home? And he was tired of the excuse that I, that I have to go to work. And he was tired of that being his reasoning. And he just said, you know, it's not good enough anymore. I've got to try to find a different answer to this career so that I can spend time with people who want to spend time with me. So that was huge. And I remember, I believe he was from Texas and there was that huge ice storm. Was it in 2020? Uh, 2021. 2021. Yeah. So that, that massive ice storm in 2021. And he posted a picture in our community group of him sitting in the sleeper cab of his truck, studying for a Salesforce certification exam while he waited out the storm. And that is just incredible. And it shows the perseverance and it shows, once again, that opportunity we talk about where as long as you can tether to a phone and you've got a laptop and you can you know, have internet service, you're good to go. And that's just one example. And then you know, another one that comes to mind is Casey Molina. And she grew up in an Amish community and her family ended up I guess you would refer to it as breaking Amish if that's a thing. Maybe it's just a reality show. But either way, that's the concept of her family left. And I believe they moved to South America and started a little diner. And it's really incredible what happened there. But she comes out of that upbringing and you would say, well, someone who grew up in an Amish community, they can't possibly have a, you know, a tech career in a Salesforce industry and make six-figure income. And they absolutely can. And I, I've told people repeatedly that I've had a lot of employers ask, like, is there a pattern? Can you see a trend where somebody does something in their background and then they end up being good at Salesforce? And the one piece of advice I have for those people is stop trying to judge people based on what they've done in the past and let that dictate what they can do in the future because it has no impact on what they can do in the future. So those are just a couple of examples, but I'm sure you've got a few stories of, you know, people that you've worked with, you know, through the program. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting to see that, like, these aren't even people with 
IT or tech adjacent backgrounds, it's completely different. For example, Mallory Donahue, she was a costume designer, owned her own sewing business for about 11 or 12 years. And she actually did a lot of the content for her business. So she was able to use that previous experience and get into um, chatbots with a, a pretty big consultancy. Another person that comes to mind, Margaret Townsend, she actually was a violin teacher and a musician for over five years. She also taught English. So I mean, these are not tech backgrounds at all. Another one is Marjorie Dayrit. She's a registered nurse, but decided to switch. And I mean, nurses make good money, but you don't get that work-life balance like you do in a Salesforce role. So she went from healthcare to tech and actually her healthcare background probably helped her land her job because healthcare is one of the industries that really does use Salesforce a lot. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Healthcare is like massively trending in the Salesforce space. And so is finance backgrounds and education backgrounds. There are a lot of trends in the Salesforce space with how you can transition in from a seemingly unrelated background. You mentioned Mallory, you know, coming from her design background. And I, I talked to her, I believe it was maybe two weeks ago. And her company has her doing, you know, a lot of marketing design and even some of their social media you know, just framing the company and, and how they look on social media. So her, her background is, yeah, it helps with Salesforce, but the company sees she has quite the talent stack. Definitely. And um, oh, another story I love, Nicholas Lupo, he was a mail carrier, <laughs> like the person that like carries your mail up to the door or your mailbox. And he got into the program, you know, went through everything, landed a job at one of the major partner consultancies with just that background, which is incredible. I think my favorite story is it's this couple story, Heber and Shaniqua. They are also located in Houston, where I'm from. And <laughs> they actually met at their old job. Um, they're at a call center answering phones all day. And they both joined Talent Sacker at the same time. They didn't land jobs quite at the same time, which I'm sure caused a little... <laughs> a little uncomfortableness, but they both have jobs now and they're just such a cute couple. Yeah, it's so true. I talked to Heaver and he landed his job. I think he got certified and it might've been the next day. If not, it was definitely within a week that he was contacted, had an amazing conversation with the interviewer and then landed the job like immediately. And then Shaniqua was like, Ooh, is that going to happen to me? And then it's like, Oh, I've actually got to work for this and apply for jobs and go to multiple interviews. And um, so, yeah, I think it was probably a point of contention at the house for a little while. But I remember Shaniqua mentioning she needed to, I think she took a break for a weekend or a week or something like that and just got a breath of fresh air and then dove back in. And everything happened pretty quickly after that. And sometimes you need to take that break just to get the wheels turning and, and, and get a breath of fresh air. Yeah, but that, but that is absolutely incredible. And, the, and they're not the only couple to come specifically through Talent Stacker. You know, Heaver and Shaniqua were one, but there was... Uh, I remember Jennifer Hecht and her husband, and then Akila and Anurag Das, and they were from Canada. And I believe Marjorie, who you mentioned just a minute ago, was also from Canada. So I just wanted to point out that I, I think a lot of people in Canada feel like the market's not that hot, and it's mainly a U.S. you know Salesforce market. But the market in Canada, from what we've seen with our members, is you know they, they land jobs very quickly because I think once again there's not as much qualified talent driving into these Salesforce roles. So the companies are, you know, that there's a lot of need. So if you want to find out more about these amazing members and hear their story, 
head over to talentstacker.com forward slash start. There you can find some testimonials. You can sign up for a free five-day challenge that'll get you started. And that's all you need. Yeah, I feel like we've covered a lot of information in this episode. So we talked about why the Salesforce job market is so hot, why there are so many jobs available, why Salesforce as a tool was so groundbreaking for companies. And that sort of drove this company to become from startup to, you know, 20 years later, a $200 billion company. And it created all of these jobs and we don't have nearly enough people to get the work done. So that's why we're here trying to share this opportunity with you. We also took a chance to talk through, you know, some of the stories of the incredible people who have gone from, you know, nursing backgrounds and truck driving and stay-at-home parents and, and really everything in between to becoming Salesforce professionals and having that opportunity to work from home, have a lucrative career, but spend time with the people you love and doing the things that you value. So now that we understand all of that, we really need to, I think, get into the weeds and show people how to upskill and how to start truly learning these skills. So why don't you tell them what we're going to talk about in the next episode? Yeah. So in the next episode, be sure to come check it out because we're going to dig deeper into Trailhead and getting your certification. And this is the base that you need to get started in the Salesforce ecosystem. All right. So we will catch you guys next week. Once again, uh, make sure if you are enjoying the content and what we're talking about, be sure to share with your friends and make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And for all of our free resources, make sure to head over to talentstacker.com forward slash start. Bye, Bye, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonca. If you like what we do at this Scrappy Can Do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.